So, this is our world. Right now, the crisis is real. But beyond the devastating effects of this virus, the, the death toll, the many who are contracting this virus and the obvious fear that comes as a result, there's a much deeper conflict that is happening within. It's an existential crisis of the mind, but it's also of the soul. And it's something that, that we can't ignore. And where we began this whole journey from, the, the conversation of the meaning of our origins, the meaning of our existence, the question of purpose, and how we relate to one another, and also the grandeur of the whole universe, is now more relevant than ever within this context, within this crisis. It, it reminds us that the search and our role as the questioners is even more vital, especially in the midst of human suffering. And while we as a race inherently carry this insatiable curiosity that needs to see, that needs to know, and needs to understand, we must also recognize that in the end, the intellect alone cannot satisfy the human heart. There exists a wide expanse, or think of it rather as a, a great chasm between the vulnerable and the invulnerable. And what I mean by that is simply that when, when we're all young or healthy, full of life, untouched by many of the harsh realities that those who are older are much more aware of on a daily basis, we believe, we believe that we're indestructible, that nothing can hurt us. Even though this is certainly untrue, we believe it to be so because of how we feel when we're young. There is that certain innocence that tries to hang on to for as long as it can, even though as we grow and mature, we hear our parents say, you'll understand someday, and when you get to be my age, dot, dot, dot. We laugh, we give a roll of the eyes, but as I sit here talking to you, I can tell you that I am now on the latter side of that coin. It's that circle of life, isn't it? Yet when I watch my six-year-old play, and live in his world of imagination. While I watch the news or read up on my social media thread to keep up with all the developments of the coronavirus, the, the store closures, the hard-hit businesses, the empty shelves at the market, what we should or shouldn't be doing, I really envy him. My wife and I have sat down with him and we've talked to him about what's happening, trying to explain it to him as best we can. Because he's asked us, uh, when, how come you're not going to work? And, you know, we try to explain to him because it's because they're telling us we can't because of this disease. Well, why, why can't we go to the beach? He's such a beach bum, our boy. And, you know, we recently went to Disneyland uh, just a few months ago. And um, the other day he asked us, well, um, 
when are we going back to Disneyland? We hadn't said anything to him about Disneyland actually closing. And we thought, well, we should break the news to him. Of course, when we told him the news, he tried to find other ways of making it happen, you know. Can't we call to ask if they'll let us come in by ourselves and that way we won't get the coronavirus or give it to anybody else? <laughs> Again, I just, I envy him that, that, that innocence, that daringness, that optimism. Not a care in the world. And come on, admit it. What we wouldn't give to be able to escape through that childlike innocence and carefree attitude. And while true character is created on the back of adversity and the resistance that life gives us at each stage of our development, it's at times like these that we don't want to rob our kids of their, of their purity and that we would like some of that back in our own lives. But again, no amount of imagination can take us out of the grimness of the world in the now. And while we should face our conflicts with hope, with, with faith, with positivity, and with optimism, we still need to recognize the realness of the crisis in order to confront it head on. Because in much of what I've seen in the media, and all these opinion pieces that pop up, there's all this finger pointing. Whose fault is this? You know, we could have done it better. And the way I look at it is coulda, woulda, shoulda. Doesn't help us to solve this in the now, all of that finger pointing. I haven't really seen much about those who have died and are dying now. Have you? Some are taking their last few breaths because of this virus right now. Where are their stories? What about their names? What about their families? Oh, they're mentioned in a moving chart of numbers that we get a daily update on. Just a pile of numbers. They're there somewhere in between the graphs and all those formulas and the statistics. What would they say? Would they feel that same invincibility? Does the, intellectual, does the intellectual argument satisfy them on their hospital beds? Is it enough? Perhaps thoughts would race by with the, why me and why now? What about my family? And even those of us who may not have contracted the disease, or maybe you know someone who has just contracted it. In the last 48 hours, while scrolling through Facebook, an old friend of mine shared a post on her page of a friend whose young husband was admitted last Saturday to the ER and tested positive for COVID-19 and died this past Thursday. I didn't know him, but my friend did. His wife did. I stopped everything and really, I, I wasn't well the rest of the day. He was full of life and gone within a few days. 
one small glimpse of one story of hundreds of thousands. And sure, one can say, well, people die every day from cancer, from car accidents, the common flu. And yeah, their stories matter just as much. But here we have a global pandemic that is touching all of us at the same time. It is different. And yes, we are, all of us, in this together. We have to be. Or else there really is no value or meaning to life. Why, why is it that we fight? Because life matters, that's why. Because each of us has inherent value. And so beyond the intellectual, beyond the academic and the scientific, we also yearn for the satisfying of the heart. Is this all we have to look forward to? Is this the way that the story ends? One of the great thinkers of our day has this to say. The intellectual answers are important, but intellect alone cannot help us navigate the minefield of pain and suffering. Other worldviews also offer intellectual answers, but Christianity alone offers a person. That's Ravi Zacharias really is one of the great inquirers of our day. He is relentless in his desire to ask and to search for the truth. He's a man that I have come to admire and respect greatly. Love listening to him speak. Love his books. And you see, that's really the greatest pursuit of life. It's to seek, but also to find you can't find unless you go on that journey to seek. Intellect alone cannot quench the hunger of the human soul. It just can't. The world today is contrastingly different than the world we lived in just a few weeks ago. And beyond the reason, the, the, the obvious reason as to why that is, one of the most astonishing is the loss of life that has taken place every hour of every day that has passed since this crisis began and that is still happening. After all the numbers, all of the research, all of the daily press conferences by those in our government and around the world, all of the articles being printed and that are shared at lightning speed with news of potential cures, with new medications, and new restrictions that are being put in place, does that give us the hope that we're all looking for? Now granted, there, there's much to be said about all of the good that we are seeing. And let's talk about that, the goodwill that we're seeing in the world now. 
because it is an adversity that we always find a way to come together. We do for others. We look for ways of helping the most vulnerable in our society. We love our neighbors. Isn't that a self-evident truth? And isn't that the truth on which Jesus lived by? See, that's the person that the Christian worldview offers. This is where we begin to see little slivers of light pit against the darkness that is so palpable in the world right now. This is where hope becomes as real as this crisis, but even more powerful because hope exercised within adversity in the midst of the harshness that this life offers us is what makes the struggle worth it. But the question is, hope in what? And hope for what? No amount of imagination can offer us an escape from this reality, the visceralness of this reality. Another great thinker of the 20th century, C.S. Lewis, amongst others like Oscar Wilde and even Aristotle, wrestle with the existential realities of our lives and in how we express these realities. Much of what we believe or feel is automatically expressed through, through the arts, through music, through, through poetry and storytelling. And so we find that art imitates life. Something that impacts us to the core becomes a muse that we want to share with the world through that which connects us all. Because the arts go beyond just the, just the aesthetics. The arts speak. They give voice in ways that dry speech alone can't always do. Now, while C.S. Lewis and Aristotle would certainly agree that it is life which gives way to art, some like Wilde would say the opposite. He wouldn't necessarily disagree that, to begin with, that life does give way to art, but that eventually life imitates art. So that life finds its purpose of existence in the arts. One of the most recognizable songs of this postmodern age is John Lennon's Imagine. We all know it right now. Just by me saying the title of the song, you can hear the tune in your head, can't you? And it's certainly a response to what Lennon was experiencing in his, in, in, in his own time in the real world, as he knew it. But as the song does, it beckons us to not just imagine, but in effect, reimagine life as we know and understand it. It's idealizing a world where there's no death, no war, and that all of us live as one. And right now, in the middle of all of this, who doesn't want just that? But in all of the wishing and, and dreaming, he never really tells us how we get there. The irony of Lenin's dream is that he himself would become a victim of, of a senseless shooting. The song really has become an anthem to the progressive utopia that many claim we can get to, but never really tell us how 
to achieve. It's a mindless circle that really has no end except more of the same thing. Dreaming but never really reaching the ideal. Lenin himself went through his own existential crisis, of which this song is a product. His wife, Yoko Ono, became very influential in his own life. By way of uh, astrology, magic, and a lot of Eastern philosophy. In the end, however, not even the predictions of an astrologer ended up saving his life. So what remains then? Imagine no heaven, no hell, no country and no religion. Nothing to kill or die for. There's enough for us to cover over several episodes on this. We could, we could do tons of episodes just on this song. But this line in particular, nothing to kill or die for, is the one that really gets to me. I understand the sentiment. We want the killing to stop. The dying to stop. The suffering to stop. The want of something, however, does not make it so. So, in effect, what he asked us to imagine is a world where there is no reason to live. Because if something isn't worth dying for, then it really isn't worth to live for, is it? What is it that makes us protest racism and hatred, prejudice and, and injustice? What has made any group in our history of the oppressed and enslaved fight and even be willing to die and give their lives for their own freedom? And what is it that draws us all to these stories of heroism and self-sacrifice? It's because life is worth dying for. Life has worth. It isn't some meaningless passage of, of, of limited time. And this is the very story of Jesus. He loved his friends, and even those who were nailing him down to a piece of wood. He loved, he loved him so much that he willingly died. And you know the story. While they, were, while they were crucifying him, he says, Father, forgive them. He's thinking about them, not about his own pain, not about his own death. And what was his, pers what was his, what was his purpose for dying? To give all of humanity the chance of living. And not just a limited life, but one that is endless and one that is free of all of this. All of the pandemics, the earthquakes, the suffering, the war, the fear, and all of the strife, and all of the saying goodbye to our loved ones. We can sing songs about this very thing all day long. But when it comes to actually believing it, we stop and walk away. Why? Especially now. What other guarantee do we need than this? That Jesus actually staked his own life on the solution, which is to live and to finally, finally live free.
You know, for the past five years, I've been involved in humanitarian work. And when I first became aware of the refugee crisis at the height of the Syrian war, just a few years ago, and when I saw what the extremists were doing with those that they were capturing, the beheadings, the persecution, the enslaving of women, and the barbarism which was on display, since they had no issues sharing all these atrocities via social media so the world could see. I couldn't stay silent. I had to do something. So in my own sphere of influence, I, I decided to open up my own nonprofit and use my voice and, and my music as a means to connect with communities around the country to stand with me and the many gifted musicians who have also stood alongside us to aid and help our refugee brothers and sisters. Many of them uh, were displaced in Jordan because at that time it was one of the only areas where many families could go to. The, the, the borders were open to them in Jordan. Over two million refugees currently reside in the country of Jordan as a result of this mass exodus. And besides the loss that they've experienced and all the suffering they have gone through to be treated so inhumanely simply because they believe differently than their oppressors. Still, when we were able to go and visit them in their own homes, there was a resilience and a faith that gave me hope that if they can persevere in the midst of their suffering, then so can I. So can we all. Now, of course, many of the families that we've been helping with food, water, access to formula for many of uh, the single moms that, uh, that there are, with hygiene products, and access to health care, there's now the added stress of this COVID-19 pandemic. And it's hitting them pretty hard. It's been challenging especially now in these uncertain times where we have had to cancel all of our concert events for the next two months at least, which results in our not being able to connect with donors. And we've had to pull back a bit in our financial assistance. And it's, it's not because we don't want to do that. Uh, we don't want to do it. But it's what we have to do is many of you out there, many Americans now are worrying about their jobs their homes and, and, and their own families. And we all should. But somehow or another, we come together and we hope. We love. And we hold on to each other's hands. And because of that, we can endeavor to do the impossible. We can. It's when we come together. Now, this is why, though, the utopia of what Lenin sings about is really only a dream because in that reality, there is no end to death or pain. It does not take us out of this reality of the human condition, which is depravity. What Jesus calls the condition of sin. 
So long as we live in a world of depravity and immorality that speaks of freeing themselves of God and religion, then what we come to is another French Revolution, where ultimately no one wins because there is no principle to anchor humanity to. A world without heaven or hell ultimately leads to one or the other by the current standards set by humanity itself. If we're willing to take John Lennon's Imagine seriously as some anthem of hope, then I wonder why not listen to another man who lived for everything we are yearning for but goes further, further than dreaming, further than imagining, and actually promises you and I a greater end. The greater end? What is that? An actual new beginning. Right now, in these troublesome hours of Earth's history, this is what we're seeking. This is what Jesus offers. A new world with no more pain, no more suffering, and no more death. We can come together and sing songs all day long. We can sing Imagine all day long, and it makes us feel good inside. It does. I'm not saying it doesn't. It does. Because there is something in there that calls out to us, especially in times like these. We wish we could end all of it. But that's just a dream. Here's an actual person who lives and dies, who puts his own life on the line, who we have proven did exist, and his own life was an example an actual true example that we can look to because he lived everything he said. And he's promising a new world with no more pain, no more suffering, and no more death. After all that I have questioned and searched for, in my own life, this is what I have come to believe. And especially now, more so. For one reason and one reason alone, it is the truth. And so with that, I leave you with this song as an alternative. As part of our charter with our nonprofit, we use our music to inspire, enrich, and to heal. To rise above and look towards heaven, not away from it. Because it's high time we did. For our sakes. And for the world's sake. Feel the holy 
Thanks for tuning in to The Truth Reel. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, you can do it where all podcasts are available. Also visit us at our website, truthreel.transistor.fm. Again, that's truthreel.transistor.fm. And if you're interested in donating to the cause of the refugees, please go to liveforone.com. That's liveforone.com. Join us as we continue to help our brothers and sisters, especially during this crisis under the COVID-19 pandemic.